This is Susan Wallner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Here's Juno Diaz reading a passage from his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Brief, Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow. The title character, Oscar, has just arrived as a freshman at college. In September, Oscar headed to Rutgers, New Brunswick. His mother gave him $100 and his first kiss in five years. His deal, a box of condoms, used them all his uncle said, and then added, on girls. There was the initial euphoria of finding himself alone at college, free of everything, completely on his fucking own, and with it an optimism that here among the thousands of young people, he would find someone like him. That, alas, did not happen. The white kid looked at his black skin and his afro and treated him with inhuman cheeriness. The kids of color, upon hearing him speak, and seeing him move his body, shook their heads. You are not Dominican. And he said over and over again, but I am. Soy Dominicano. Dominicano soy. I met up with Juno at the Iridium Jazz Club in New York City, where he now lives. But Juno Diaz is a New Jersey writer. His works are about place and New Jersey and the Dominican Republic are his locations. He was born in Santo Domingo and moved at age seven to Parlin, a working-class Jersey town sandwiched between Oldbridge and Sarahville. Like Oscar, he went to Rutgers. Childhood and coming of age are rich territory for any artist, but Juno Diaz finds New Jersey fascinating for reasons that go beyond this. For instance, he made Oscar grow up in a part of the state that was unfamiliar to him, the old industrial city of Patterson. Patterson is one of the great Jersey cities, man. Patterson is irresistible. Again, I, you do with, you, there's materials at hand and there's material that you're fascinated with. For me, uh, felicitously, I happen to be fascinated with the material hand. I love New Jersey. I'm kind of obsessed with it. I'm really interested in it. Patterson was paradigmatic in a fascinating way, uh, both as sort of an important part of New Jersey history, as an important part of our national history, its connection to writers, its connection to sort of what we would call the post-civil rights history, the way that Patterson um, you know, in some ways capture so much of what has changed in America. It just, I couldn't resist the place. There was a, a time when presidents would go to Patterson, you know, and uh, that's not so much anymore. Well, during the industrial era, I guess. Sure. The, um, did, was Patterson a place you were familiar with or did you like set out and go visit it? No, just... I, I, I just loved the fact that so many writers were connected with Patterson, that there was so much literature and that I was writing about a dude who wanted to be a writer. And I was like, the best place to place him in New Jersey is Patterson. That is our left bank, you know? Uh, and uh, so I had to go and discover it. Luckily, I had a friend of mine from Patterson who was a great um, sort of ambassador for the place, kind of took me around, but uh, it was a long, long period of research and uh, exploration. After reading your books or your short stories or whatever, you have this sense that you've been somewhere, yet when I was looking back for actual descriptions, it's hard to find, you know, a very specific kind of description. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of the technique that I use uh, the narrators tend to be steeped in a certain kind of orality, which is to say that they, 
they're acting like they're talking, like it's conversational. And in conversation, most people don't pause for a very long time to build a place with words. They temp simply sketch it very quickly. They'll tell you they're in Raritan, they'll tell you that they're you know, in Matawan, they'll tell you on the Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore, but they assume that you know what that means. And I think that my book often sort of, you know, is more interested in the spirit of New Jersey than sort of the letter of Jersey. I mean, that probably will change, but strategically that's been my core. I kinda, I kinda am obsessed with getting New Jersey right in a way that's more, uh, I think, um, difficult to characterize, you know? I don't know if that had any help, but... Well, there's a sense in which, I mean, um, you know, the whole relationship of writers to places is long. I mean, that has a long history. There's certain writers who are very associated with particular places, and now you're really associated with New Jersey. Has it become almost mythical for you, or does it seem like a very, very real place to you? I mean, it's a real place. Um, you know, the past is where, I guess any place that you continuously encounter, it's very difficult for you to transform that into kind of a mythic space. I'm in New Jersey at least every other week. Uh, I don't get enough distance to sort of eliminate it in gold, to kind of cast it as some sort of Narnia of the, of the heart. But, um, you know, the past is you're often, because you don't have much contact with that, there's far more seduction to transform the past into something that's more of a photograph or more precious. But Jersey is, is a real growing, dynamic, sort of unfathomable space for me. I don't pretend to be an expert of New Jersey more than anyone else. There's about a billion New Jerseys out there. I can probably describe two with any authority. And the stuff never change, never stops changing. My New Jersey of two years ago is certainly not the New Jersey of my nephews and my cousins. And I think it's important to sort of understand that. It's for me, talking and writing about New Jersey is a way to enter into a larger conversation. It's certainly not a way to be authoritative. So you go back and visit family? Uh, more than family, friends. I mean, half my life is there. So it's, you know, some people, they, Look, a place like New Jersey invites simplistic decisions around it. Some people never want to leave it. Some people leave it and then never want to recognize it again. They just can't wait to get out. And I'm a kind of a person I left, uh, but for me, New Jersey continues to be a huge part of my life. I have no problems with keeping a relationship with it, with returning to it all the time, you know? And I guess I just, I didn't want to do the one or the other that so many of my friends were doing. They wanted to get out of Jersey, never wanted to talk about it, or they were just such hardcore Jersey heads that, you know, everything outside of it didn't make any difference. I know that as a kid, you were a big reader. Oh, I still am, yeah. What was it that made you a reader? Different times, you know? I mean, why we're attracted to anything is kind of a huge old mystery. But you, got, you, you guys know better than, I mean, as well as I do, those were different times. Well, first of all, we just had so much more time. I mean, I didn't have internet. We certainly didn't have cable for the first part of my childhood. There weren't any kind of cell phones. I mean, our, what we would call a young person's access to culture was actually incredibly limited. Um, and if you were a curious young person, I certainly was really curious, one of the ways that you fed that curiosity was by reading. Reading, I always say, was our internet, reading was our Twitter, reading was our Facebook, reading was our cell phones, reading was our Wikipedia. Like, the world had to be encountered in many ways through reading. Television was a limited space and it showed a lot of nonsense. 
and I was really interested in the world. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I became a reader. You know, I, an immigrant kid, you are in a new place, you want to try to explain it, you want to try to understand yourself. And again, before you could do Google searches, you had to read, and that became a source of great, great comfort, of great information. Um, it just was a, a real place to be for me. Now, again, I had a lot more time. In those days, you could be a reader and still be a very kind of social uh, kid. There was enough time, you know, and uh, the hours went longer when corporations were and after every second of your childhood uh, life. And uh, I felt like I was a reader growing up and at the same time an incredibly social kid. But I still think that reading still attracts young people. Now, does it attract young people the way it used to? I don't know. But does it attract young people given the immense amount of competition? I still think we're doing not a bad job. I mean, it's basically corporations, trillions of dollars of budget for advertisement and promotion versus books. And given that kind of competition, you know, certainly we're fading, but we're alive in ways that I think most people would kind of be impressed with. You're a reader because you're a writer. What is it about it that makes you really respond to a book? Well, um, I'm actually, uh, yeah, I'm a writer because I'm a reader, the opposite way. Um, you know, I think that the thing with me is that, uh, is that there's no telling what in a book contains what are going to be the grace notes that are going to make me fall in love with it, that are going to move me. There are books that are deeply flawed that I keep returning to and books that other people would say are absolutely perfect that hold no interest for me. And depending on you know what years we're talking about, I've had a whole, totally different palette, a different appetite for books. Um, I think that there's something about the reading experience for me that there's an enormous amount of learning, there's a didactic aspect, but really when it comes down to it is that it's a wonderful time to be in contact with yourself and as close as we can come with being in contact with another person. If you're reading a history book or an argument, a theoretical book, um, you're in contact with that person's mind in a very beautiful way. If you're reading a, a, a book of art, a novel, poetry, you're in contact with their artistic sensibility and in many ways as close as we come to being in contact with another human subjectivity. And for me, books, in strange, anti-intuitive way, though we read in solitude, we read for communion. For me, books remind me in a palpable way how deeply connected I am and how deeply dependent I am in this larger cosmology of human souls and human minds. That, you know, in many ways, books in my solitary pursuit of them remind me that I am not in any way alone. The Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo, in the brief wondrous life of Oscar Wilde, a lot of it is history, it's real history, or it's pretty close to real history, or it could have happened history. Sure. Is that a source of a lot of ideas? I think it's the same kind of uh, thing that happens with New Jersey. I just have a very strong connection to Santo Domingo. Um, again, it's I'm, I happen to be obsessed with my material at hand. It's kind of great, you know? It's like living in a huge forest and saying, wow, I'm going to be a woodcarver. This is kind of perfect. Um, I have a, a, you know, an abiding interests, connection, relationship. Santo Domingo, you know, 
you know, they asked Alexander McQueen, what does Scotland mean to you? And uh, he was like, everything. And I think that's the same with Santo Domingo for me. Santo Domingo means everything to me. And um, it's been a great source of inspiration in my life and certainly inspiration in my art. Um, there's no place that for me represents the kookiness of the world the way that both Santo Domingo and New Jersey do. See a story about Juno Diaz on the premiere episode of State of the Arts on NJTV this fall. For more information about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence and public engagement in the arts since 1966. I'm Susan Walner for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening.